0: What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to day 11 of the 21-day challenge to calm the F down here on the How to Be a Better Person podcast. In this second week of the three-week challenge, we're talking about ways to reduce stress in your relationships, which with all this together time, I'm guessing can start to feel some strain. Today's big idea is that we are living through intense, extreme times. I know that's pretty obvious, but maybe what you don't think about is that means that everyone is triggered. It is really helpful in terms of relating to other people right now to just admit that we are in the shit. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Many of us are experiencing some very real loss, like maybe a loved one or a job, and all of us are experiencing the loss of our former lives. That means everyone's a little bit bad shit right about now. (laughs) It seems obvious, but when things go sideways with people, maybe you have a big family fight or a misunderstanding with a friend, it's easy to forget that right now is not normal. I've been talking to friends a lot more than normal lately, because I'm very aware that in my quote-unquote normal life, staying connected to friends is something that keeps getting crowded off my plate, and I've heard from my friends about epic fights that involve the whole family, or well-meaning conversations that just keep going and going until everyone is wiped out and feeling exhausted, or random little outbursts that turn into big disruptions. I've certainly had them myself. For example, the other night my son Teddy was down in the basement playing on his Xbox. Now he has been on his Xbox a lot lately. He's 10 and his friends are on there and he can meet up with them, chat with them, and that's how he's being social. And I'm really happy that he has that outlet right now. Honestly, I wish my 12-year-old daughter had any interest whatsoever in being on the Xbox because I would love it if she were interacting with her friends too. That's another story. Anyway, it was getting close to bedtime and in the coronavirus times we've been very lenient with screens, but I'm still pretty rigid about not wanting them to be on screens right before bed. This was a night when I needed to some, get some work done, so I was kind of letting it slide. Usually we don't watch screens after dinner time, but he had snuck off downstairs and I had let him go, but then I realized that bedtime was coming up, so I hollered downstairs to him to turn it off. He didn't hear me. First of all, there's my first mistake, hollering. (laughs) Instead of going downstairs and talking, having a conversation about it, it was more like, Teddy, turn it off. He didn't hear me because he had his headphones on. He was talking to a friend. He was playing with a friend. And I heard that he was still playing. And I just went immediately into like ogre mode. And I stamped down there and I said, Teddy, I told you to turn it off. And I just pulled the plug on the Xbox mid game. He'd been playing with a friend. They were building something together. I can't remember if it was Fortnite or Minecraft. Anyway, it was, it was, it was a disaster. He was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, Grr! and when I pulled the plug, he lost his mind. It was a big upset. It was right before bed, you know, and this didn't necessarily have to be a big upset. But the thing is, is that I needed to remember that first I was overreacting because I'm stressed and he was overreacting because he's stressed. And that's just something that I completely forgot. The thing we all need to remember right now, including me, we all need reminders, is that because everything is so nuts, we have to consciously try to have empathy for each other. Daniel Goleman wrote the book Emotional Intelligence. It is a classic book. It's been around for over a decade. I highly recommend it. And in that book, he described something called the amygdala hijack. So the amygdala is a part of your brain. It's one of the emotional parts of your brain. But it's, these are primal emotions, things like anger and fear, all right? And it's also what cues the stress response by triggering the release of adrenaline and cortisol. This is kind of what I like to think of as our lizard brain. It's not all that evolved. Our more nuanced emotions and thought processes are ruled by the frontal lobes of the brain. This part of the brain is what tries to make sense of situations and understand complexities and make thoughtful responses instead of knee-jerk reactions. It also helps us see other points of view. The frontal lobe is where empathy comes from. But when the amygdala is switched on, it's like the circuit to the frontal lobes is tripped and we can no longer entertain those nuanced thoughts. If If we're having them, they aren't getting through. And guess what? All of our amygdalas are on high alert right now. We are always just a hair's breadth away from amygdala hijack. Any little thing and we go right to 11 on the upset scale and it makes it very, very hard to stay open to other points of view. And staying open to other people's points of view is how we stay connected. So the first thing to remember to get out of amygdala hijack is just to remember that this is happening. This is our reality right now. If your partner overreacts about something, don't judge them for it. Remind yourself that this is a really intense time, and this reaction is more about circumstance and adrenaline and cortisol and amygdalas than it is about you. It will help your own amygdala hijack stay at bay. Today's tiny assignment will also help, and it will facilitate keeping the lines of communication open in your household too. So your tiny assignment is to share your experience. During your next difficult conversation, make it a point to share how you're feeling physically in that moment. For example, you could say something like, Even as I'm saying this, I can feel a knot forming in my stomach. Or, like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. Or, I can almost feel the smoke coming out of my ears. Why? Why do we want to do this? Why do we want to talk about what we're feeling in our body? Well, someone may be able to argue with you when you say how you feel. For example, if you say, I'm really upset about this, they might say, well, you shouldn't be upset. You know, they're going to like argue that point with you. But no one can argue with what you're feeling in your body. That is undeniably yours. It is inarguable. In order to be able to share what's happening in your body with someone else, you have to stop long enough Just long enough, it's not nearly as long as you think it would be, but you do have to sort of consciously pause for a moment, like maybe long enough to take a breath, to assess what you're feeling. And that helps you have empathy for yourself. It also means you're not trying to direct the conversation towards some end goal, like you turn the Xbox off. I could have said to Teddy, Teddy, when I see that you're still playing the Xbox so close to bedtime and I asked you to stop, I I feel like horns are going to grow out of my head. Then he would have known I was serious and he would have said, Liam, I gotta go. Bye. When you're sharing your experience, it's about relating instead of attempting to control. And that helps you connect in a meaningful way. Again, your tiny assignment is to, at some point today, share how you're feeling in your body the next time you have a moment of disconnection or upset with someone you're quarantined with. I hope it helps you maintain your ability to have empathy and wards off an overreaction. Come back tomorrow when I'm giving a wrap-up of this week of episodes and giving you a weekend assignment that will help you feel more connected to the folks you're shacked up with. Friends, I have exciting news to report. How to Be a Better Person has its first official sponsor. Whoop, whoop! And I couldn't be more excited about who it is. It's Manta Sleep, who makes what I believe to be the dreamiest sleep masks known to humankind. And I am a sleep mask aficionado, These sleep masks are comfortable, they stay put, and they really do live up to their 100% darkness guarantee. The first night I slept with my Manta mask, my sleep tracker said I slept 8 hours and 18 minutes, which definitely helped me face the realities of quarantine life with more grace the next day. I'm psyched to be working with Manta because being better rested helps make you a better human. To go get a look at these beauties for yourself, go to mantasleep.com and use the code BETTER in all caps, to save 10% off a sleep mask of your own. You can also find Manta Sleep on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's Manta, M-A-N-T-A, like the sea creature, sleep. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. k-a-t-e-h-a-n or find me on Instagram at katehanleyauthor. I look forward to connecting with you.